It's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying, get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault, but couldn't tell you. Yesterday, you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it, now I'll watch the hood wink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. I summon fish to the dish, although I like the shallow swiss. I like the sushi, cause it's never touched a frying pan. Welcome everyone to Quadcast, presented by Off the Dome Sports. Ben's here, Jake's here, John's a little late, he's running a little late, he's got some schoolwork to do, which I, I guess we can allow to happen. He'll be here around 11.30. So um, for all the listeners that are listening to us on podcast right now, um, we have kind of switched our affiliation. We, uh, Notre Dame has a student-run radio station, WVFI, and so we're using or WVF, yeah, WVFI. So we're gonna use their studio. We're using them. We're gonna be broadcast on their airwaves. You can listen to that on WVFI.nd.edu, and we're also gonna be posting it, uh, uploading it to Spotify through Anchor. So we still got that going on. But I mean, here we are with Quadcast. Ben James, how you doing? I'm doing very well today, Jake. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be here. I'm a little sad that John's going to be a little late, but that's all right. He'll be here soon. I'm just ready to kick things off for uh, this Sunday morning. All right, all right. Yeah, so it's Sunday morning. It's a little hard to get into the groove here, but we're, we're going to come at you with some action. We're going to come at you with some heat and some fire. So, Ben James, start us off. There was something big happening in your hometown of L.A. last night. What's the big news out of L.A.? Yeah, out of L.A., uh, Anaheim, uh, Mike Trout slugs his 300th career home run, uh, becoming the franchise's all-time leader, which is crazy. He's only the 16th player to do that before the age of 30, and he's only 29 years old, which I think puts him in the position to be, uh, when it's all said and done, the best player of all time. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Mike Trout is definitely on his way to being the best player of all time. He His war stats through the roof. I mean, he just qualified to be uh, eligible for the Hall of Fame this year, and I think he's already pretty much a lock. Like, he's played his 10 seasons. He's got his 10 seasons in to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. And he's, his career stats are already comparable to those in the Hall, and he still probably has a good eight years left, at least. I would agree with that. I think if the if his career ended today, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, yeah, bar none. I, I completely agree with that. So the, the other interesting thing about Mike Trout becoming the Angels' leading home run leader uh, in their franchise history is that the last guy to do it, also had a name that was very similar to Mike Trout. Ben James, you want to explain a little bit further who their previous franchise leader in home runs was? Yeah, their previous franchise leader in home runs, as Jake alluded to, uh, had a similar last name. His name was Tim Salmon. Great Angels player. He currently does the home broadcast. Um, he's always out there at the field. He's a great. He's actually a really good person. Um, talks to the fans a lot. But he ended at 299 home runs, which was one short of 300. Uh, Mike Trout surpassed him last night. So. It's kind of ironic. Uh, Jake made the joke the other day, maybe the next guy up at the Angels would be uh, Jim Bass. Yeah, if, if any of you are listening back home, you got a friend, you know a little kid down the road, a little Jimmy down the road, his name's Jim Bass. Well, he's going to be the next Angel slugger. I can guarantee it. So uh, that's just big news out of Anaheim. It's hard not to root for Mike Trout. It's hard not to root for the Angels. They, they're a first-rate organization. Uh, ever since I watched uh, Angels in the Outfield when I was a kid, love that movie. It, it's kind of made me lean favorably toward the Angels. So they, they got some great guys on the team. Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, uh, Anthony Rendon, even Shohei Otani. He, they're easy to root for. So I'm happy to see 
that Mike Trout is finally the franchise leader in home runs. All right, so we're going to move on. There's a big week coming up this week in the sports world. For months and months and months, we didn't know if we were going to get football back. And putting aside the question of whether or not football should be coming back, it is coming back. The NFL starts this week. Ben James and I had our fantasy draft Friday night. Huge success for me. I'm projected to finish second in the league, which you already know is first. And on Thursday is the NFL kickoff. Chiefs, Texans. Should be a great game. And it's nice to know football's coming back. And on the college football side of things, uh, here at Notre Dame, we joined the ACC for one year. Uh, We were kind enough to share our revenue and our giant fan base with them. Otherwise, they would have struggled in a season where you have to stick to your conference and the ACC has no talent. So, No talent? What about Clemson? Besides Clemson, obviously. All right, I'll give you that. I mean, is there any intriguing matchup you're excited for in the ACC besides Notre Dame and Clemson this year? I think, actually, I think North Carolina you down there in Chapel Hill, UNC's got a, got a good young team. They got a good team, but I think with UNC – my, they, got a, they got a couple years to go because they just got a new coach down there. It's not even the coach. I think my thing is is that everyone's really hyped about USC this year because of Sam Howell, their quarterback. Uh, he's got NFL aspirations. People really like him. Scouts really like him. And so guys are kind of getting fed into the panic. But it's like, listen, it's fun when the guy's going to be an NFL caliber quarterback. But if he doesn't have a, you know, tier one team around him, which I don't really think US or UNC has, it it's just you know. It's just not as entertaining. It'll be a close game, but there's never going to be a point in that game where I'm going to be like, oh, Clemson might lose to UNC. Just that, that's how it is. So Notre Dame adding, joining the ACC really adds some fire, really some competition. I would agree with that. To a conference that desperately needs it. I mean, if you look back last year at the ACC championship game, and if we, fingers crossed, make it to the ACC championship game this year, I think that... If the season goes as planned and Notre Dame and Clemson are playing in the ACC championship game, the amount of viewers for that game is going to be way higher than the ACC championship game from last year, which was Clemson and Virginia, and it was kind of a blowout. Oh, I could totally agree with that. I think if you look back to the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago and Notre Dame and Clemson was in that game, I think that game had one of the highest total viewerships of the year. That was a very exciting game, even though Notre Dame got blown out. But I think if you look at the ACC championship for this year, it could, could parallel that. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when the conversation goes to Notre Dame joining the ACC, it it always seems to center around the fact that the ACC is kind of lending Notre Dame a hand. They're helping Notre Dame. Notre Dame needs to join a conference. I don't like that storyline, and here's why. Notre Dame, their fan base significantly helps the ACC more than the ACC affiliation helps Notre Dame. Oh, for sure. If you look last year at some of the best viewerships the ACC network got and some of the best attendance ACC teams got, I go back to the Duke game last year where uh, Notre Dame traveled to Duke, played them away. That was Duke's highest attended game of the season. And I don't have the stats to prove this, but I watched it on ACC network. I watched the broadcast. You could hear the Notre Dame fans... You could see the Notre Dame fans way more than you could see the Duke fans. And sure, that's probably not great for Duke. No one likes having their home games turned into away games. However, they've got that's their highest attendance. Their ticket sales were great that game. 
The ACC benefits from Notre Dame being in their conference. More people buy the ACC network. My mom would not buy the ACC network if Notre Dame wasn't going to be playing a lot of their football games on the ACC network this year. She's going to purchase it so she can watch Notre Dame football. My mom wouldn't purchase that in a normal year. She'd just watch all the Notre Dame games as it is, and you know what? She'd miss the one or two that's on the ACC network. Now she's going to purchase the ACC network this year. That's huge. I could agree with that. And uh, going back to what Jake said, they are uh, sold out for that game, Notre Dame against Duke, at 100% capacity. And I don't know how many times you could say that about uh, Duke football, maybe about basketball. But, um, yeah, I think Notre Dame brings a lot. The the fans travel well. Um, I think that's something they're going to miss this year. But I think, like you said, people are going to tune in to watch the ACC to watch Notre Dame. I don't know if they're tuning in to watch uh, Duke. So no, yeah, yeah, I, and I think that's what it comes down to is that the ACC is more. I think the ACC is more benefited from Notre Dame joining them than Notre Dame is benefited by joining the ACC. COVID aside, yes, obviously, I would agree with that. obviously Notre Dame needs a conference this year because of COVID. Yes, but in a normal season, if this happened in a normal season, the the winner, the person who's getting the most from this, is the ACC, and even more. That's why this year they're able to lend this hand. All these people are saying. Oh, the ACC is just getting played by Notre Dame. They're not really getting played. The ACC is getting a lot out of this. Yes, if they a lot can, of revenue. If they can convince Notre Dame to join their conference, which I don't think they're going to, and I don't think Notre Dame should, but that's a different conversation. If the ACC can convince Notre Dame to join the conference, that's huge for them. That's probably one of their big goals right now because, as I alluded to before, Clemson's the best team they have by far. The gap between Clemson and all the other normal ACC teams is rather large. In the past, the ACC has been able to rely on Florida State and Miami and Virginia, Virginia Tech, even Boston College and way back when Georgia Tech on being good programs. But a lot of those programs have fallen on tough times. FSU has not been the same since they played Alabama the first week of the season and their starting quarterback, I think it was Francois, got hurt, like tore his ACL, broke his leg, something like that. I forget what it was. Really bad injury that game. They have not been the same since. We, there's up and coming. I really like one team I really like in the ACC that you should watch out for this year. Not because they have any great players, but because they're, well, they probably do have great players. I don't know the roster like the back of my hand, to be fair, Ben. But I really like what Scott Satterfield is doing in Louisville. Scott Satterfield was the App State coach uh, for a good amount of time, a couple years um, down there in North Carolina. He's a really good coach. He knows what he's doing when he builds a program. If you remember last year, Notre Dame opened their season at Louisville, and Louisville gave them a run for their money. It was a lot closer game than people expected. So look for Satterfield's uh, boys to make another significant jump this year at Louisville. That's a team I think that you could watch in the ACC. Okay, let's talk about NFL because I know you're a little lost on college football, Ben. It's all good. So the NFL, Ben, who, what teams are you looking at this year to surprise and what teams are you looking at that are going to fall flat, fall short of expectations that people have set for them? All right, Jake. I think I think a, a team that, that a good amount of people are hyped on but that some people still have doubts about, I think the Steelers are going to come back and have a great season. They got a, they got a top five defense. Uh, Big Ben's coming back even though he's a little bit old. But I think, I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. I think they're going to be a, close to a 10-team uh, win or 10-win team. Um, I think they're gonna give the Ravens in that co- in that division a little bit of a run, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're gonna be better than people expect. Uh, okay, that that's fair. That's fair. I I also like the Steelers. Uh, myself, I feel like people kind of forget last year that they almost made the playoffs with like 
Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. Yes. Like the human duck. So if they can almost make the playoffs with those guys at quarterback, when Big Ben comes back, that's obviously a team that's going to improve. I really like some of their offseason moves, especially in the draft. Chase mm-hmm. Claypool is a great fit uh, for the Steelers. Now, one thing about the Steelers I am worried about, Ben Roethlisberger is injury prone. Yes. I don't yes. love their backup quarterback options. James Conner is injury prone. James Conner is injury prone. I don't love their backup quarterback options. I really like their wide receiver group. Love their defense. Super underrated players on that defense. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, top-tier safety in mm-hmm. the game. TJ Watt, super underrated pass rusher. Cam Hayward, very underrated interior defensive line. They got a bunch of guys. They got a bunch of players on that defense that people just forget about, which is crazy to me, especially because they're the Steelers. They got one of the biggest fan bases in the NFL. The, the People should be just pounding the table saying how good they are. I want to hear more about the Steelers. But, again, I come back. Big Ben's injury prone. He's old. Who do they have backing him up? I don't love I don't love them if Big Ben gets hurt, and I know that's an if, and I know injuries aren't a guarantee, but I think it's fair enough to say because of his history. I would agree with that, and he's 38 years old, um, and he's not in the shape that Tom Brady Drew Brees is in. Um, no knock on him, but I think that if he stays healthy throughout the year, or that defense plays well, they got good young wide receivers, I think they're going to be – a good team that that's going to surprise some people. One team I'm also looking at to surprise. We'll, we'll get to our guys that I think are a little overhyped uh, right after this. One team I'm looking at that I think is going to surprise some people are the Cleveland Browns. People were very high on them last year. I mean, the city of Cleveland was essentially throwing them Super Bowl parades at the start of last season, which was mind-boggling to me because they hadn't proved themselves. But there's just too much talent on that roster for them to be an afterthought. And I know they're in a tough division, and I mean, same division as the Steelers and the Ravens. That's going to be a good division this year. I think it might be the best division in football because of the talent there. But look at the Browns roster, people. Their offense is stacked. Baker Mayfield, he got a bad rap last year, but it was just a sophomore slump. That I mean, that's all it is. You, you, it's hard to judge a quarterback on his first two years, and his rookie season, he... Showed a lot of potential, and last year, you know, he showed the downsides of it. So maybe this year he kind of straightens it out. But he's got a lot of talent. It's hard to deny that. He's a playmaker. He's the guy. It's hard to deny that he does that. You look at the rest of their offense. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, Ben. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Off-field issues aside for Hunt, those are two very, very good running backs. They got Odell, Jarvis Landry, as the wide receivers, a great elite duo in the NFL. They just signed Austin Hooper. I mean, that offense is pretty loaded. Their offensive line is pretty good, too. I, I would agree with that, Jake, but I th- I think the thing is people have been hyping up the Browns for the last couple of years, and, and they haven't yet delivered. And I think, like you said, in that in that division, it's, it's going to be really tough. And, and I was going to say the Browns are going to be a letdown team this year, so I think you and I um, disagree on that point. But I think if Baker Mayfield has another down year – um, do you think that the that the Browns are going to stick with him as a quarterback, or do you think they're going to look towards the future? Listen, with his rookie season, you have to ride him through at least the rookie contract, right? He was a first, number one overall pick, rookie of the year, uh, candidate his for, or his rookie year. You got to ride him through. You have to see what he's. It, it's not like he's playing terrible. It's yeah. just that he he regressed last year, which every quarterback besides Pat Mahomes does in their second season as the starter. 
So I think if you're the Browns and you're looking at Baker Mayfield, if he struggles again this year, you know what? You give him a year. You give him to the end of his rookie contract, kind of like what the Bucks did with James Winston down at Tampa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you make your decision from there. I'm sure they have contingency plans. Every NFL team does. But I, I think it'd be foolish to give up on Baker Mayfield this early. I would agree with that. I think Baker Mayfield's a fan favorite over there, and I think he's 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 a good image for the Browns. Um, I think he's got a, a, a lot of um, like positive attraction towards him. He's a flashy player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he sells jerseys. Yes. He's kind of like, you know what? He gives the Browns an identity, yes. right? Love him or hate him. You know, support how he plays the game or can't stand how arrogant he is. He characterizes the Browns over there. The Browns kind of have that bad boy vibe to them because of him. And I don't think that's a, necessarily a bad thing, but it's something the Browns need because now their organization is associated with that rather than associated with their fans wearing paper bags over their heads. That's yes. a step in the right direction. It is for definitely a step in the right direction. I think bringing in a young coach is what they're hoping to do this year with Kevin Stefanski. Um, I just hope that he can r- rally the troops down there and and get a good team because the coaching staff for the last couple of years have been shaky and they've changed the coach I don't know how many times in the past couple of years. And I think everyone roots for the Browns a little bit, roots for some bad, historically bad teams. Well, everyone except uh, Colin Coward, of course. Well, yes. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's hard, uh, The Browns, interesting. I think they're kind of divisive. Um, but you're right. The coaching staff is going to be big this year. Stefanski's really got to right the ship. But, again, if you're the Browns' management, you have to be thinking you're moving in the right direction. Yes, I would agree with that, especially with the roster you, you created around Baker Mayfield. You got a stud running back, Nick Chubb. You got a great backup in Kareem Hunt, and you have some really good wide receivers. And you extended Miles Garrett on yes. defense. You shored up that piece uh, again. Good moves, solid uh, team building going on over there in Cleveland. Now, that I want to talk about a team that I think is going to fall short of expectations this year. That I think people are kind of high on. That I'm not too high on. And if you at all follow analytics Twitter, you're listening out there on the podcast. I think you kind of know where I'm going with this, but the Green Bay Packers are not as good as everyone says they are. I would totally agree with that, Jake. I was actually looking towards that team when you asked me uh, who's going to be some of my letdowns this year. I think the Packers are up there. I I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback he used to be. I still think he's probably a top five uh, quarterback in the league. No, no, no. I'll do you one further. He hasn't been the quarterback he used to be for many years now. You know what he does? Aaron Rodgers is very good at one thing, and it's not throwing interceptions. Yes. He doesn't throw interceptions. But you know what that's led him to do? As you grow older as a quarterback, you lose some of the touch, right? You saw it with Eli, see it with Brett Favre, guys who play like Aaron Rodgers, gunslingers. They get a little wild throwing more interceptions, but they still take the chances. Aaron Rodgers doesn't take the chances anymore. Yes. And if you follow Ben Baldwin at all on Twitter, he will just go through, look at his stuff. Aaron Rodgers is criminally overrated. It's not even funny. I mean, last year, he he had a great defense, a defense that kind of came out of nowhere, and he couldn't move the ball down the field in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have talent around him. It's and just I, that he's not the guy that he used to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think I think the management has, has kind of seen that. They didn't draft another wide receiver around him. They gave him a second round running back, which I'll which I'll give them that. But they drafted Jordan Love in the first round, which left everyone questioning the situation down there. And they didn't give him weapons around. All he has is Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and he, 
doesn't really have anyone else to throw to. Listen, honestly, I kind of disagree with you. I think some of it falls on management as well. I don't think it's management seeing the writing on the wall. Uh, You know, maybe they do. I I don't think the management's done a good job. I feel like when you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and you see that he's kind of falling off, you have to get weapons around. Yes. So I, I think there's blame to be placed everywhere. Aaron Rodgers is not the guy he used to be. And whether or not management acknowledges that and is choosing not to do anything about it or is blindly ignorant and they don't see that, both things are wrong. Like, A.J. Dillon in the second round, by far the worst pick of the draft last year. I mean, he, was, he wasn't he was on a lot of big boards. Pro Football Focus didn't even have him ranked as a prospect. He, that's not the kind of running back the NFL is looking for. Did you ever watch A.J. Dillon last year no, at Boston College? He came and played here. Huge guy. Uh, I I want to say you if you don't mind looking up his measurables, I will. Right I now. think he's around six one two thirty, six one two forty. He's bruiser. Kind of reminds me of Brandon Jacobs, but not as athletic. He's a uh, six foot two hundred forty seven pounds. Okay, so uh, a little shorter, a little bigger than I thought he was. He's a beast. He plows through people. That's not the running back. I mean, we've seen that Eddie Lacy. I don't want to compare him to Eddie Lacy, uh, in his work ethic. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm talking about body size. That running back doesn't really work in the NFL anymore. He He's not a great pass catcher. And also, like, what are you doing? You have Aaron Jones. Why are you drafting a running back in the second round? There's so many holes you could fill on that team, you know? Lost some pass rushers to free agency. Shore up the defensive line. Hey, Aaron Rodgers has been saying, give me a wide receiver for the past three years. No wide re- I mean, there was plenty of wide receivers on the board. Denzel Mims was yeah, still I was there. Just, I was just looking at that, who was left on the board. I think they, they might have taken him before Chase Claypool. I don't Chase well, for sure before Clay Claypool. Chase Claypool. He went in the third round, so No, Chase Claypool was a second round pick. He was mid forties. I don't know what AJ Dillon was. If you could pull up the Claypool, draft. Okay, Claypool was the forty ninth pick and they picked um Dillon. They picked Dillon at thirty, so Claypool was off the Oh yeah. Off the board. That's just egregious. They, A.J. Dillon that early boggles my mind. It's just bad pick. Nothing against the player at all. It's just, that's not what you're looking for as the Packers. I mean, that, and that's why. That's why. The Packers are criminally overrated because they have no idea what they're doing. They're lost in the past, or they're too focused about the future, or they're stuck in between. They have no game plan. It's almost like they don't want to win this year. That's a good division. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers isn't the guy he used to be, and I think you'll see it this year. I, I mean, people have been saying it for a long time, and pe- if, people on ESPN, these analysts, they vehemently deny he's not the guy he used to be. Look at the stats. Look at how it plays out. Look at how he has been playing. Aaron Rodgers is no longer elite. It happens to everyone. You just have to recognize when it happens. That's the problem in Green Bay. I don't like Green Bay because of that this year. I would agree with that. So, who are you looking at for another disappointing team this year in the league? Um, Another team that I, I think people are a little too high on are the Ravens. I would I would agree with that, too. Now, That's why I said the Steelers in that division. Let, I, I could agree with that. Let me be 100% clear here. I do not mean that the Ravens are going to miss the playoffs. Nor do I mean that they're not a Super Bowl contender. I just mean that I've seen people say they're going to go 16-0 and 0 this year. Listen, 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 people. You got to look at history, right? You got to look at what happens to guys after MVP seasons. There's usually a regression. You regress to the mean. This is what happens 
in all sports when you look at the stats. Players have, if they have a really good season, somewhere down the line, they're probably going to have another season where they underperform a little bit. And then it kind of regresses to what they are as a player. Lamar Jackson is an incredibly talented quarterback, both running and passing. A lot of credit should be given to him for putting in the work to become a better throwing quarterback, for recognizing how valuable of a tool tight ends and running backs are in the offense, and a lot of credit should be given to Coach Harborough for utilizing his skill set with the team. A lot of credit for that. If you think that Lamar Jackson's historic season last year is an indication of every season he's going to have in the future, you are wrong. Teams have a year of film on him. Every team in that division, their number one priority when playing the Ravens is going to be limit the impact he has. That doesn't mean he's not going to have an impact this year. doesn't mean he's not going to be a great elite player this year. He will be. I would agree with that, Jake. And I, I Looking back at the record from last year, 14-2 and two is a really hard thing to do in the NFL these days. Especially, I think they got a little lucky last year with the Big Ben injury, the Browns being a little let down. They had a little bit of an easy competition last year. I think this year with the revamped division, um, I think that they're going to be around a 10-team or a 10-win team. I think they're going to be competing with the Steelers for first place. I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be that explosive team that they were last year going 14-2, and and I think they might lose in the first and second round like they did last year. Yeah, and you know what? The one thing about the Ravens is that a lot people love – to hype up teams that were really good the year before, and there's always that regression. And like you mentioned, that 14-2 and two is tough to compete with, especially with the division like we've been talking about. And so all I'm saying to those listening to quadcasts out there, pump the brakes on the Ravens a little bit. They're a really good team. They got one of the best rosters in the NFL. However, however, they are not as good as people are saying they are. And I and I don't want this to turn into like a soundbite or something like that, but I I think you understand me at least, Ben. I would, yeah, I, is I that, understand you. Is that the the Ravens? People are putting them, you know, like really high, saying they're one of the best teams, or one of the best rosters ever assembled. Uh, again, sixteen and zero. I saw someone say they would go. That that's that's an overshoot. I I don't think they're there. I think they're twelve and four, thirteen and three, Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're as high as people are making them to be. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. And I don't think they'd even be the best team in the NFC. I still think that the 49ers would challenge them for that spot. Okay. John has arrived at the door. He has forgotten the code. He has no idea how to get in. We're going to go give you a quick break. You can listen to this wonderful song that is queued up uh, on the WVFI dash. And, um, yeah. We'll be back in three minutes. Welcome back to Quadcast. Here we are. John's in the studio now. He finally figured out how to work the door. John, tell us about it. Does the handle turn downwards or upwards, or do you push in or out? I know it's confusing, buddy. Well, the real problem was that it was locked from the inside. So Ben and Jake wouldn't come open the door for me. We were very, the, very disappointed. We in were my, in the middle of a heated segment. <laughs> Where Ben James was saying terrible things about my mother, and I had to defend wow. her honor. I I knew you were low, Ben, but I didn't know you were that low. It, it but, was it was honestly awful. I had to use this dump button button like three times because of all is that the, the one that bleeps out like the last six seconds. Yeah, okay. it is the stuff Damn, that bleeps. Yeah, I, I I had to use it a ton. It was it was awful, just completely mind boggling. I mean, some of the stuff he was saying I had never even heard before. I mean, 
he was like making it up on the spot. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's mom, if you're listening out there, haven't met you before, <laughs> uh, but I think you're a wonderful woman. You've raised a great family. And uh, if I ever get, come Minus to Vermont, your oldest child. If, if I ever come to Vermont, I'll make sure to stop by and get some syrup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maple syrup. Maybe some snowboards. She'd expect she'd accept that apology right there. All right. John, we caught you up on the break on what we were talking about before. Uh, we started playing The Other Side of Paradise by Glass Animals. Uh, so do you have any thoughts you want to add to the NFL discussion teams that you are looking to overshoot expectations or fall short of expectations, or do you have any comments on the teams we mentioned? I, I mean, I, I'll get to those later. But first, talking about NFL, I want to say Giants, Super Bowl contenders this year. Oh, my God. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. They have a very improved offense. They can keep their skill position group healthy, unlike last year. I think they have a great chance of making the playoffs. John, it's uh, it's September 6th, buddy. I don't think it's April Fool's over here yet. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. John, I am a diehard Giants fan. And I tell you what, if they go 6-10, and 10, I'm happy. Then you're a fake and a fraud. Oh, you have, you have no Get idea out what you're here. saying, Jacob. Are you kidding me? The like, Giants team is so have, good this you got to have realistic expectations. Their team is so good. Who season. do they have rushing the quarterback? Anyone. Oh, yeah. Mark, okay, yeah, Mark, there Mark we go. There's the answer the right there. Led the team with, like... 15 sacks last And the Giants are the like only that. ones who wanted him in free agency. I mean, I, that so? must be a coincidence. Generally, I'll the... take 15 sacks every year. That's one a game. Pretty good. I mean, I, I don't think you guys realize how improved their defense is, too. They got Bradbury. They signed Logan Ryan. Very underrated signing, especially for, like, $7 million. Yeah, the Logan Ryan signing, I agree, was good. Bradbury... You know, Bradbury gets some uh, bad rap from the analytics community. I think he's a little bit better does than he? yeah, he does. Uh, the his like pro football focus grades have been kind of low, like not at the elite level, not what the Giants paid him. Uh, but I th- I think he does a good job man to man against number one receivers, which the Giants need yeah. in the especially division they're in. Sam Beal opted out. Julian Love, I've heard he's much improved this year. I really like Julian Love. I mean, Notre Dame guy first of all. Yep, but. In one of my Zoom classes over the summer. Yeah, that, that's, that's huge. Cool. John and him are actually friends. Yeah. Uh, Forgot to ask for an autograph on the last day. Still <laughs> disappointed about that. Uh, but Julian Love, he he really flashed, and uh, that, that's great. It, he should be a good addition to the Giants' defense, but I just don't think I don't think they made enough to, uh, improvements. Uh, I think they're a better team than they were last year for sure. I think that they could surprise some people, but I think their ceiling, honestly, is like nine and seven. I don't think they go much higher than nine and seven. I would, I, I would put ten and six on their ceiling, and I know they do have a very hard schedule, but I, I think it, it's I, possible that they win all four games against the Eagles and the Redskins. Uh, the f- football team. Sorry, John, don't make me dumb. The Washington football team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think you guys are speaking a little biased. I put the ceiling around six wins. They're the third Ew. best. Oh, they're, come the, on. they're the third best come team. On. They're the third best team in that division. They're better than the Eagles. That I don't is, know. That I, I wouldn't go as that far. I wouldn't go Dude, that far. Listen, you got to look at uh, Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the league, objectively, talent wise. Yeah, you know? and, and where do you where do you McCaffrey's place the where do you place the Giants' offensive line in the league? They're they, they're they middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. 14, 15, They put 13, they, Andrew seven. Thomas. Andrew Thomas is a really good tackle. Will Hernandez. Look for him to have a jump back here. Kevin Zeitler, criminally underrated guard. Nate Solder. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah, Nate Solder's not playing this year. Uh, I'm not Probably sure it'd be not, better if he did. Not but. not sure if you're going to see a difference on the offensive no. line, but their offensive line is improved. You have to look at that offense and say if Daniel Jones takes a step forward this year, 
limits the turnovers. Which he will. Which, which he should. It's very hard to repeat 13 fumbles again. It is. You got to be trying to get that many. If he takes a step forward this year, you look at his st- and has the exact same passing stats last year, mine is the fumbles. Yeah. That's a top-tier quarterback right there. Through Their offense week, is going to score seven point. through the end of the year, Daniel Jones averaged exactly the same amount of passing yards and passing touchdowns as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, just more signed a five hundred million dollar uh, contract. Just uh, Daniel Jones did have more turnovers in half that span. a billion dollars. Yeah. I don't know if Daniel Jones is a half a billion dollar quarterback, but he's close. No, he's definitely uh, not. He he's a lot better than people give him credit for. Oh yeah, for sure. And so he's, he's, he's definitely the best out of the rookie rookie quarterbacks last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Kyler Murray's a little overrated, but you look at Daniel Jones, he takes a step forward. They got a good receiver <laughs> receiving core. Not great, good. Darius Slayton showed a it's lot solid, of solid though. I mean, Darius Slayton third receiver, a, whoever you count that as is probably better than any other third receiver in the league minus maybe the Bengals. Yeah, but what I would argue is that I don't think their one receiver is whoever you make that as I've, is I've in the top st- half of one receivers in the league. Mm, I've heard Sterling Shepard looks really good in camp. Yeah, but Sterling Shepard's a slot guy. He's never going to be a number 1 guy. You know, and, I mean, and Darius Slade and Darius Slade showed a lot of promise last year. Again, not really sure he's got to take a step forward. He can't regress. But if, if that receiving core is solid, it's good enough to score a lot of points. As long as they stay healthy. Yeah, it's good enough to score a lot of points. If Evan Ingram can stay on the field, yeah, that's an even more dynamic threat to the offense. Saquon, obviously. Deion Saquon. Lewis, very underrated signing. He's yeah. a great – I mean, I would like to see Saquon and Lewis in – Two back sets. Yeah, and like get them both out of long. the backfield. Oh man. Yeah, third and that'd short. Deadly. Third and long, even. Yeah. Uh, that that'd be nice. We could run some HB Shark wheel. I would with also those love two. to see Saquon split out wide more often because almost every time he did that last year, he had a linebacker matched up on him, and I'd, I'd take that matchup any day. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just again, what it comes down for me is I disagree with you, Ben. <clears throat> Six wins is too low for their ceiling because their offense has the potential to be very dynamic. I would put I, six wins as their floor, honestly. I wouldn't. Their floor is like two wins. No. And um, they, play the, their defense, they play the football team twice. I mean, come on. You, you don't think they're going to win one more game? I've watched Giants football for so many years, John, and I'll tell you what. They find ways to lose games that you don't think they'll lose. I would agree with that. And their defense is not as good as you say they are. Okay. It's I would improved, agree with though. that. If I had to guess, they're going to fall somewhere within the – Four to eight win range, probably on the higher end. You have no I, confidence in your team. I, I have confidence in them. I mean, I, I hope they win the Super Bowl, but I just there's a difference between confidence and reality. As John. A fa- hey, John, as a fan, they're the best team in the NFL. As an analyst, come on now, come on. And now. speaking back to what we were talking about before with the, some of these better teams this year, I think the Cowboys. Even though Giants fans are not going to like that, I think the Cowboys. Okay, we're muting Ben James for that slander. <laughs> Let's move on to the... Cowboys are pretty good. Let's move they on to the right. NBA. Turn Ben back on. John, are the Bucks going to get swept this season? I don't think they're going to get swept. I see Giannis. Giannis is questionable for tonight, though. That's a that's a big question. Is he questionable season, as in, like... Right ankle contusion or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, is he, he he's que- going to play. Is, we know, okay, we know okay, he's going to okay. play. So he's not really questionable. Yeah. He's probably... However, he didn't look like himself last game. No, he didn't. He which didn't. Was, which was bad. Especially because he hasn't looked like himself pretty much the entire playoffs, minus maybe a couple flashes in the Orlando series. But I gotta, the Heat have done a really, really good job of locking him down, and he doesn't have the shooters or the he doesn't have the shooters to kick it out to for open threes. At least this series, they haven't been shooting open threes well, and he also isn't a great passer. If we're being totally honest, okay. So 
the supporting cast has been a huge topic of discussion. Someone, I think it was, was it Richard Jefferson? Yeah. Said that Giannis is a Pippin. He's waiting for his Jordan. Yep. What do you guys think of that? I mean, I, I honestly don't like the comparison. Giannis is. You, I, you prefer the Giannis Ben Simmons comparison? Yes, as Jeez. I tweeted out. Ben Simmons is a Giannis light. That is a fact. It's you just can't like, deny that. He's a Giannis light as in he plays in the NBA and is worse than Giannis. He is a Giannis light the same way Giannis, that like Seth Curry is a Giannis light. That's, as in that's he's so in the false. NBA. Ben Simmons, he, I know he played point guard for pretty much his entire time. He, he's still a point guard. He's still, uh, they played him at power forward a little bit in the playoffs, but that didn't, that didn't work well next to Embiid. Ben Simmons would do best in a Giannis like role. They're both very similar players. They're elite in transition, but once you get into that half-court offense, yeah, Giannis, ha- he's able to drive by some guys, get his spin move, throw it down over Julius Randle from four feet from the basket. But, like, he- he's a solid player in the half-court offense, but if you're just counting half-court offense, he's definitely not a top-five player in the NBA. He-, he One, he needs to learn how to shoot. He needs to pass a little better. I think it's a mental block for his free throws and – Probably for his three point shooting. Well, but, his three point shooting is better than Ben Simmons. His oh yeah, defense sure. is better than Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's a better player that's why, than Ben that's Simmons. That's why I said Ben Simmons is a Giannis light. And He's I, not Ben Simmons is not Giannis. We can all agree on that. I I just don't get the point of the comparison. Uh, I I I think he's a I think Giannis is a better half court offense guy than you give him credit for. He's a he's a top ten player in the league in half court offense, but he's not top five, which would be a Jordan level. Okay, uh, Ben James, do you have any thoughts on this Pippin comparison here? I don't think you should compare him to either because it's a it's a different generation. Yeah, that, that's um, essentially what Scottie Pippen said. He like Scottie Pippen pointed out, Giannis has two MVPs by the time he's twenty five. Pippen didn't do that. I don't even know if Jordan did that. Giannis is like one of the most efficient players in the NBA ever. in transition. Yeah, no, overall, overall, yeah, because his transition stats boost his overall stats. But it's also just. A, I'd like to see that play. I, it's I need just to a, see that it's just a different game nowadays. It's it's not, it's not the same game that it was back in the nineties. It's, I, I, it's yeah. totally different. My more my question was more focused to like whether or not you think that it's Giannis's fault. Like Giannis isn't good enough to get a team through the playoffs if he's a Pippin, as in he needs another guy that is better for him to win a championship, or if he's like a Jordan. Where he needs somebody who's not as good, but still a, a top tier NBA player to bring him to the championship. Well, do you I, think? Do you think he's? I, I guess here's my question: Do you think he's more the Dwayne Wade side of the LeBron Dwayne Wade team up, where he needs a LeBron to come in, or do you think he's more the LeBron side where he's looking for a Dwayne Wade to allow him to surmount the hill, win a championship? I think he's definitely on the LeBron side, on the Jordan side. Because I don't know who you're going to find a better player to go play with him. He's going to have to find supporting roles. One, they're not whatever team he ends up on is probably not going to be able to afford that. Two, he doesn't really need a better player. He needs someone like John said where he can drive and kick to and has a dependable three and who is is also good next to him. I don't know if you're going to find a, a better player to play along yeah. with him. Y- you know what I would love to see for Giannis? I would love to see the Bucks trade him to the Mavericks for Chris Tapps Porzingis. If he, if him and Luca teamed up in Dallas, if Giannis and Luca teamed up in Dallas, 
I think they would win. But that's the type of player that Giannis needs. He needs somebody who can initiate half-court offense by himself. Right now, the Bucks really don't have that. Chris Middleton is, is supposed to be their second star. He's, he's not done well in the playoffs. I, I'm a big Chris Middleton fan just because of his efficiency, but like in the playoffs so far, he hasn't been great. He's shown that he can't step up to the level to help Giannis carry a team to the championship. And I think the Bucks also just need to get some better players around him. But if they were to trade him, putting him in Dallas next to another superstar like Luka, who excels in the half-court offense, would probably be the best situation for him. Now, going back to what you said about Chris Middleton, John, I know you have very strong opinions on the Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon yes. divide. They, they made the wrong decision. Speak on, speak on that a little more for our listeners. Okay. Eric Bledsoe cannot shoot wide open threes he's he's shooting like 30 percent, which sounds decent but when you think about it in the long run that's one point per hundred per per possession that's not enough to win you a, a championship or win you a game more or less but eric bledsoe they kept him in free agency this this last summer over malcolm brogdon they made the wrong decision there malcolm brogdon is a knockdown three-point shooter Malcolm Brogdon can initiate half-court offense. He's a better passer than Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe probably drives a little better, but Malcolm Brogdon would have been the better fit around the entire Bucks team, especially around Giannis. Yeah, uh, I agree. Giannis needs the supporting cast, I feel. like He just needs a better... I feel like they just haven't given him enough. Or like maybe they've given him enough, but they haven't given him guys that compliment him in a good way. You know? They, they, they're not perfectly gelled. They don't work together. They've put together a very deep team. But they had, that's part of their problem is that their starting five isn't, like, amazing. Yeah. It's not like the Clippers or now, the Mavericks. Speaking of the Clippers and the Bucks, we saw a bunch of teams highly touted lose games in the past couple of days. The Lakers lost to the Rockets. Clippers lost last night to the Nuggets. The Celtics have dropped two in a row to the Raptors. And, of course, we have the Bucks. So... I feel like this is too easy of a question because of the Bucks, so I'm going to take the Bucks out of the equation. Of the Celtics, Lakers, and Clippers, who, which team should be most worried about a second-round exit? Well, first of all, I don't know why you're talking about the Celtics because they're the three-seed and the Raptors are the two-seed. I feel like going into the series, people had the Celtics higher than the Raptors. Celtics are more talented. Yeah, so uh, that's why I like. I feel like the Celtics go went up 2-0. They swept the Sixers in the first round. A lot of analysts, a lot of people were saying that they're going to beat the Raptors pretty handily. It's now two and two. They've lost two games in a row. Yeah, I mean they, they clearly were in the driver's seat of that series right. early on from before it started. From yeah, from those three teams, you can obviously count out the Clippers. I think the Clippers are definitely in the safest spot out of those. Even teams. after their loss last yes. night, yes, that, that was a fluke. Kawhi shot poorly it was his one bad game in the playoffs so far they'll rebound next game they got patrick beverly back i'm not sure if that's a good thing but no i would definitely agree with john i think the clippers shout out to gordy best one of our one of our friends who's a clippers fan i think i think the clippers are a shoe in uh after this round um i think that Jokic and and jamal murray just had like a breakout game and i don't know if they can sustain that for the rest of the games where you have a more experienced player in Kawhi. And even Paul George, hopefully he plays a little bit better. I think the Clippers are the safest. And I think out of those three teams that you were saying before, I think the Lakers are probably the one where you point at and say, maybe this series goes a different way than they hoped. Why? Yeah. Expand on that a little bit more, Ben, please. 
Well, I think John was about to say something. I yeah, I, I agree with Ben. I think the Lakers' problem is they haven't been able to figure out the Houston small ball. As LeBron said after the game, the the pace of the Rockets' offense was too fast to keep up with for them. Oh, were his were his old legs too tired after the game? Jacob is a big LeBron hater. LeBron owns a lot of free real estate in Jacob's. I head. just uh, I think LeBron owns a lot of free real estate in everyone's head. <laughs> Le- LeBron just kind of irks me. I mean, he's he's a great talent for no reason at all. He's a but, great talent. Right, we he, can save this discussion for later. Back to back to the original one. I I think the Celtics are in the worst position out of all those three teams, though. I know the Lakers, yeah, they're down one zero right now, and if they lose tonight, I would be very concerned for them. But the Celtics are tied two two. All the momentum is in the Raptors' favor. It really has been since Anunoby hit the game winner in Game Three, which looked like it should have put the Celtics up three nothing, which would have been it would have been over at that yeah, point. Yeah, yep. But I think the Raptors have nothing to lose at this point because they were essentially out. Now they're back in. They've been giving a second chance. Nick Nurse, very underrated. He's probably on the same level as Brad Stevens. He can game plan really well against the Celtics. They they didn't play great defense in game four, but they played enough, and their offense heated up enough after the, the games one through three to push them over the edge. I think the Celtics are definitely in the worst position out of those three teams. See, I, w- I would disagree with you. I- I'm kind of on Ben James' side. I think the Lakers are in the worst position. I feel like, in general, like, I I, I don't know. I-, I feel like the Raptors, they got really lucky with that shot in mm. Game 3. Mm. Game 4, the Celtics just kind of looked a little out of whack. I, I really think the Celtics are going to bounce back and win that series. Yeah, they played poorly. I mean, Jalen Brown shot like 4 for 18 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So uh, I I think the Celtics are really going to bounce back and win that series. I I think the Celtics could be uh, the East's representation in the finals. Uh, I honestly think, especially with the way the Bucs are playing right now, the Celtics have the best chance. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if the Heat do end up winning, which they probably will, to see the Heat play either the Celtics or the Raptors because neither of those teams weren't necessarily supposed to be there. It was really supposed to be the Bucs coming out of the East. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everybody picked that before the playoffs started. But both those teams, whoever they are, they weren't supposed to be there. They're Now they're playing for a shot to get to the finals, which is pretty good for either of those teams. Like I don't know if anybody would have thought the Heat were going to be in the finals at the beginning of the season. No, that so, it'd be nice to see the Heat uh, back in the finals. But- and honestly, sorry to interrupt you, Jake, but I Wait. thought that the bubble would do this. I thought that the bubble would favor the middling teams the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Heat, the maybe the Celtics. I, I guess the Celtics were probably heavier favorites. I think. Others, I think the but. lack of home court advantage is really yeah showing the lack of out. fan support yep. behind them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like it's easier to for the underdogs to win games because they're not starting out the first two games uh, playing in front of an away crowd. Yeah. I think you could you could see that very clearly with the Bucks. Yes. I don't think they would have gone down three nothing if the first two games had been at home. No, I agree. And but- also the Lakers, if they end up playing the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, that's a huge blow to the Lakers because they would have had home court for that entire season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now going back to the Lakers, though, this is why I think they should be worried. You were mentioning the small ball. I just don't think the Lakers match up well with the Rockets. The Rockets have very versatile offense. They they the Rockets play sneaky good defense. James Harden they, they don't play sneaky good defense. They, they play, play good defense. But I feel like people defense. I feel like when people talk about the Rockets, they talk about their offense. Yeah. I'm saying their defense is really good. Their defense has gotten better after they let Clint Capella go. Yes. Which to me is crazy. I mean, 
especially because in the playoffs, like in the regular season, I'm not sure how well small ball is going to work. I think, what were they, the four seed this year? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's probably about their ceiling in the regular season. So it's just hard to sustain over like 82 games. It's hard to be out, out keep the physically pace up. Yeah, it's hard to keep, and night. it's hard to keep the pace up. Yeah. But in the playoffs, and I think they'll go out and sign a center, a big center this off, this off season. So that who, they, who's a, who? What centers you, are? Available? You think they get someone like an Al Horford? Maybe not like a Al Horford like five years ago. Yeah. Who's I, who's available I'm, this off season? For I'm centers? not sure who's going to be available, but if I were them, I would target Miles Miles Turner. That's they yeah, should have traded for him at the. That's deadline, honestly probably opinion. a really good fit for them yeah. as well. Great rim defender. Yeah, uh, serviceable corner three point shooter. Uh, the the one thing about the Rockets against the Lakers is I feel like one the Lakers the Lakers don't run a pacey offense. The Lakers no. really like being in control of the game. LeBron likes being in control of the game. It's hard to be in the control of the game with Russ and James Harden on the other side. Yep, they control the pace. They do, much. and so if the Rockets can continue to control the pace for the series, I would be worried as a Lakers fan as a Lakers player, as a Lakers executive. Because, yeah. I mean, against the Trailblazers, did, did they inspire confidence in you at their championship run? When Dame was playing, no. After he was out, yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. So, I mean, after their best player right. was out, yeah. So, also, can we just give a shout-out to P.J. Tucker? He defended Anthony Davis on 26 oh, possessions yes. last game. Davis scored zero points on those 26 possessions. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. I'm not sure that's going to continue. Uh, I mean, pro- probably not. <laughs> we'll probably score at least one or just two. Just logistically, but. I don't think that's going to continue. Yeah. But you know what? If P.J. Tucker can uh, be a thorn in AD's side throughout the whole series, again, that's just another in favor yeah. of the Rock. And it's really not just P.J. Tucker. Like, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, those three guys are all, like, amazing defenders. And Harden, Harden has shown some defensive prowess. Even, this, even this Russ is playing better defense. Right, yeah, Especially, Russ has always he, played good defense that – I think the problem used to be he played so much on offense. His usage rates in OKC were like 40-something percent. So he just didn't have the energy to play good defense. But now he only has to handle the ball like half the possessions. So he has more energy to uh, use on that end. I have a a point that um, some people are probably talking about. Do you think the playing every other day and starting the season right away instead of waiting, do you think that affects a lot of players? Uh, bad players, yes. Good players, no. I think good players, uh, the superstars that were planning on contending for a championship, they were training every day. And and another yeah. point about that, do you think that also helps? Like John's point, this the the teams that have the momentum, maybe the teams from the that won the upset matchup, when usually they might have a week off before the next uh, series would start. They're playing two days. They still have that momentum. There's still some aura around them. Do you think that helps that yeah, sort of I, team? I think. That was actually evident in the first Lakers-Rockets game. The Lakers came out kind of slow. Obviously, anybody looks slow against Houston, but Houston had just played a game seven two days ago. They were still riding that that momentum of Harden's yeah. game-winning block. Are you shaking your head, Jake? I, momentum is the dumbest thing in the world. I, I wholeheartedly disagree. The momentum, like, it is so overblown, the amount that momentum plays in. Like, All right, maybe from day to day, I I can get I think, behind that. I, I think I'm it talking still about day to day. Listen, obviously, if you if the Celtics win Game Three, right, and they go up three zero, like obviously that series is over just because the obstacle of winning four straight games is really tough, right? Like yeah. so, in that way, the momentum wins. And so when the Raptors win Game Three, 
they're inspired a little mm-hmm. bit, and that they helps them get back in the series. Right. But I don't think like on a day to day thing where like the Rockets won Game Seven and then they're carrying over that momentum into Game One. Like I don't think that works. Really? To Ben's I point, think it is. to Ben's point, it was only I, two days later. Yeah, but I think I think the two day rest has more to do with what Ben was saying about like like actually be physically prepared. I don't think the Lakers came out slow because they didn't have momentum. I think the Lakers came out slow because they'd been sitting around Walt Disney World for like five days, and the Rockets had had to been you know going balls to the wall playing yeah. a whole I mean, seven-game series. Part of it, though, right? Yeah, I mean, call that momentum. I just yeah. call it, like, still being in the, like, athletic groove, I guess. Uh, but I I, I, I... I guess we're... I don't love using the term momentum because I, I don't think it... Like, I don't think that's how it works. I, uh, Jacob, but I, I think, think that, like, the Rockets... Sorry, Ben, I don't mean to no, go ahead. overrun you. I just think the Rockets were, like... They, they were in that athletic groove, you know? They they were they were still fresh. They were warm. They were warmed up. They had played, played a game two days earlier... The Lakers have been sitting around all day, and I mean, what is there to do in Disney World besides lounge? Oh, fish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lounge and enjoy the weather. Like that doesn't get you ready to play a basketball game, right? And uh, Jake, I would, I would disagree with you that momentum doesn't play into it. I don't necessarily agree if it's the actual like momentum. Oh, like they had just played, they're like physically still in it. I think half of the game, well, if you look at it, is all mental. Yeah, I think that momentum plays into the mental game. I like, think, like, I think like, the like mental was, aspect of the game is a little overblown. I don't agree with that. Mm, I yeah, I, I disagree. Like like That's like John it. was saying, if like Giannis, if he's got in a better mental state, like it's a mental block, maybe first free throws or something. That's a big thing for players. If they don't have the confidence yeah, yeah, to do not something, like they're momentum. not going to perform as well. I don't. I don't think like these guys have been playing basketball their whole lives. I don't think if one guy has a bad performance. To- game before that's going to carry over into the next game he's going to reset I, they're professional mm, athletes but I, 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 I think, think the thing so. is if he, has a, if he has a great if he has a great game the, the day before maybe he goes out and he shots five more shots or he takes the ball yeah it uh, uh, takes a shot at the end of the game because yeah, is, is, is that momentum or is that confidence i think there's a big difference i think that's a big difference they're connected i think they're yeah confidence they i think confidence and momentum are very different things confidence is you know what? You're feeling yourself a little bit. You're you're more confident in your shot. You, you found your stroke. No, That's it's exactly not momentum. What momentum is like, oh, like this team won, so they're gonna win the next game because they're carrying momentum. That's not how they're isolated incidents. But maybe they're you know, confident. They're not completely the isolated. They're not independent incidents. But they're isolated incidents. Isolated incidents. If a guy's confident, you can like in baseball, you can get into a slump when you become unconfident. That's what happens. Okay, I, I don't mean to break this conversation short, but we got 30 seconds left on this show. And that's going to cut out. Uh, It is 11.59.36. So, everyone, thank you for listening to the first episode of Quadcast. Uh, Next week, John will be here the whole time. And without further ado, John, play us out. I know where you're sitting at. (laughs) 